The best healthcare is there in ways big and small. There when we most and least expect it. We may not see it, but we feel it. It lets us know we're not in this alone. Everyone deserves a healthcare partner who never quits. One who's there for what matters. United Healthcare, there for what matters. Hi, I'm Shaletta Brundage. I'm a media personality, podcaster, and a business owner. But my most important role is mom. Three of my beautiful kids have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When I didn't know who to trust or where to turn, I found ACRA. ACRA provides home care services to families all over Minnesota. The care is not one size fits all. They know each one of my kids is unique. They listen to what resources we needed and what's best for our family. I've seen my kids grow and thrive with ACRA's in-home care. While autism is the most common diagnosis among ACRA clients, ACRA offers personalized in-home care services for people with disabilities, chronic illnesses, behavioral diagnosis, and mental illness. They work with children, adolescents, and older folks too. Find out more about ACRA at their website, acrahomecare.org. ACRA helps me provide my kids with a better quality of life. They can do it for your family too. Before she became an autism advocate and mom of four, Shaletta Brundage was an Emmy Award-winning comedian. Need something to put a smile in your face? Laughing with Letta is sure to tickle your funny bone. Check it out, but pee first and make sure you ain't drinking nothing when Shaletta's on a roll. That way you won't have anything to clean up when the podcast is over. On the way to work this morning, I was chatting with my good friend, Sonia Brown. We have been best girlfriends for about 30 plus years now. We met um, in college, uh, freshman year at University of Houston. Uh, she is an educator, but was taking a speech class and I'm in the school of communication. And so I was taking that speech class and let her tell it. We were standing outside of the class and I just looked at her and said, girl, we're going to be friends. Come on over here and stand by me. And we stood next to each other, and I made her laugh, and she giggled, and that was it. The rest is history. Um, As Sonia went on in her career to flourish as an educator and supervisor uh, in Texas, um, I started working in broadcasting and and then took a break to get married and and start a family. Uh, But Sonia and and so many of my other friends, uh, they don't have um, children. They chose um, their careers and um, for whatever reason, they say, you know what, this is what I want to do. My friend Erica has a husband, but she said, you know what, I know that I don't want kids. And some of them are uh, only children or have one or two siblings. And, and some of those have, have passed away. So when I saw the story in Fortune magazine, it said a disproportionate number of black women are kinless as they age. And they deserve a social safety net. I said, okay, all right, okay. I I need to explore this story because I never thought about it, but I'm always checking on my friend Sonia. I'm always checking on my friend Angela. So many of my friends who are um, educated, degreed, professional, hardworking African-American women 
who don't have a lot of family around them. I didn't realize that. And so I said, well, wait a minute, who who's in this story? Who is the uh who who's the expert? Because I got to figure out how this whole uh, fictive kin network is and, and 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 how it's impacting black women. And and so I saw, oh, Dr. Chris Marsh. Okay, well, wait a minute. Who is who is uh uh, uh Dr. Chris Marsh and, and what is she uh doing? What is she all all about? She is the associate professor and director of graduate studies at the University of Maryland, and she is joining me now. Dr. Marsh, thank you so much for being on the show. It is such a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this story blew my mind. I'm living it, but I'm not thinking about it. And I'm telling my friends, you know, Fanchon and and Angela and and Ursula and Erica, I said, girl, you know, we got to pray for each other because we may be the only people praying uh, for each other because we're all we got and we say that all the time we're all we got but really it's true we really are all that we have right and we need to have a conversation about this okay so this story blew everybody's mind it's in fortune magazine a disproportionate number of black women are kinless as they age what has your research shown you so i just wrote a book about people that are single and living alone in the black middle class The title of the book is called The Love Jones Cohort. And one of the reasons why I decided that I had to write the book is because I was so tired of people asking, why aren't successful black women getting married? I wanted to know what single people were doing and how they were living their lives. And part of the conversation that comes up when I interviewed 63 people for the book is that they're single and living alone, but although they don't have a partner, they don't have children, they do have friends, and friends play a central role in the lifestyle of those that are single. So what it's forcing the conversation to do, it's forcing the conversation to broaden the idea of what we mean mean when we say family. Mm. If we think of family from a very traditional kind of way, and if we use like maybe the Census Bureau's definition, by way of definition by the Census Bureau, a family is someone that you're related to by blood, marriage, or adoption. And so after writing this book, I'm making a strong argument that we need to redefine or extend what we mean by the term family. We have a lot of people that are in friendships or non-romantic relationships that are as tight as family or even thicker than a family bond. But unfortunately, we get stuck in this idea of family being like this mother, father, 2.5 children, and a black picket fence. And the data is just not there to prove that that's what's happening now. It's not just this heteronormative family. You have these people that are that have been friends. I appreciate the beginning of your your uh, your the story, and you talked about your friend for thirty years. Now we need to think of a way in which we can institutionalize that relationship with your friend, so that there is we can acknowledge that friendship that's been in place for thirty years. So one, I want us to read, think about family, think about if family is openly discriminated against people who don't have somebody in their house with them. Mm -hmm. And if we were to expand the definition of family, what would it look like? 
And so that so those are some of the conversations that we have to have because the data is clear. You have a lot of people that are, are choosing singlehood or returning to singlehood. And when you start talking about black folks, black women are dominate in that category. So because we want to be sensitive to where black women are, I think it's really important to have a conversation about should we continue to define family a certain way and what would be the benefits if we broaden the definition of family. Okay, and this is the thing that concerns me is when we start talking about black women being kinless and and redefining the definition of family, it's so important that we do that right now. Because I'm thinking about my friend, Tony Randolph, and she actually bought my house for me in St. Paul. She had cancer and she died. And we are all Mm -hmm. her friends, but we feel like sisters, but we got to sit on the back row. You know what I mean? If you know, and and when something, if something happens to my friend, Sonia, and, and I got to take care of her because, you know, in our community, we don't put our people in the nursing home. Right. But, but I don't I don't Absolutely. have I don't have any rights. So if I go in, I got to wait till some cousin from out of town come that she ain't talked to in 20 years to make a decision right. about what she wants to do when I know what she wants to do. So redefining Absolutely. family is so important and putting the wills and the trust and, you know, that kind of information in place so that. The doctors know and the, 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 the neighbors know and, and the job knows. Listen, I know we ain't no blood relative, but I'm next to Ken. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so the, I want to complicate the story just a little bit, and I want to slow walk this. So we, we understand that we need to redefine family, and we need to think about how family looks a little different. But if we take more of a 30,000-foot view as well, one of the, I am a sociologist. One of the arguments that I make in my book is that I'm arguing that structural forces, so for example, racism, so structural forces are constraining my personal choices. If I were to say that a little bit differently, I would say like racism is constraining my personal choices. So if I, because I, Chris Marsh, have a PhD, and uh, let's just say I'm making six figures, let's just say I own my own home, let's say I have a, a will and a living trust in place, if I want to find another black man that fits all that pedigree, whether or not, the, not a judgment call, just say if I want somebody who meets the same pedigree as me, and they're not there for me to marry, structural, for, and that's because of racism, we can talk about mm-hmm. like um, the high prison rates, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if structural forces constrain my personal choices and then you don't allow me to define a family that works for me, you're discriminating against me in plain sight. And that, I would argue, is insidious. And we need to talk more about singlehood from the structural force, from the structural perspective, and then what we can do on the policy side to make sure that these singles are not continuing to be disadvantaged. Okay, now I need you to tell me because people are already texting me, where is this book and how can I find it? Because in your book, The Love Jones Cohort, excuse me, The Love Jones Cohort, um, you note that single middle class black Americans have tapped into the long cultural tradition of creating kinship. And what we have in Minnesota yeah. is a lot of mixed race families. And so what I'm getting is text message that says, what do you mean creating kin? What do you mean this extended family? It's new and different to some people, and they're hearing about it for the first time. So you got to tell us, number one, how you can find this Love Jones cohort book, because I want to make sure the people who are listening <laughs> have access to it. Absolutely. So you can go to, it's on um, Amazon. It's on most independent bookstores. I also have a paperback and I have an audio 
book as well. It's funny because a lot of my students are like, Dr. Marsh, we're so mad that you're not reading the audio, narrating the audio book. So it's not my voice. It is somebody else's voice, but it is a black woman that's narrating the book. Um, so you can go to Amazon. You can go to in, any independent bookstore. You can actually go to my website, uh, which is drchrismarsh.com. You can find me on social media. Um, the, my handles are drchrisk Marsh, and links to my book are there. The book is a, it's a really great read, and I think it'll yeah. open up people's eyes to a lot of things that, that are in plain sight. I just put names to it. I put text to it, and now I give you the vocabulary for it. And I would argue that your listeners probably understand this extended family that I'm talking about or this fictive kinship or these augmented families that I'm talking about because they're in them every day and just don't even realize it. But now I've given the people the vocabulary for it. And the reason why I say augmented families is because there was a sociologist years ago. His name was Andrew Billingsley, and he was talking about augmented families where it's not a mother, father, or two mothers, two fathers, but it, it is these extended friends that you've had for many years that are our family. And we've been doing it for years, but why is it not being institutionalized? And it needs to be institutionalized. And the reason why it really needs to be institutionalized is because, you're, again, you're discriminating against singles in plain sight. I give three examples. One is a, is a benign example, and one everybody's going to shake their head to as they're listening. So if I, Chris, I, Chris Marsh, have a cell phone, I want to go to Verizon and get the family discount on my one cell phone. I don't want to have to pay more for my one cell phone. I want the family discount. And that's a benign example. A more egregious example is um, vacationing. Mm. I want to go on vacation. Single occupancy is more expensive than double occupancy. It is. And the one that everybody is going to shake their head to as I start to talk about it is the tax structure. Girl, preach on it. Girl, listen, listen. (laughs) There is a singlehood penalty built into the tax structure. Mm. So, and there's a really great book by Dorothy Brown. She's out of the law tradition. It's called The Whiteness of Wealth. And one of the things she argues is that we should all file taxes as single people. And if we don't all file taxes as single people, I want to file the taxes as the Marsh family of one and want to get my tax benefit <laughs> as the Marsh family. So there's two arguments yes. that I make it in a book. One, family should be one person. And family should be these augmented families that aren't necessarily husbands and wives or husbands and husbands. We should be able to legally recognize these institutions and entities and be able to get some of the benefits. Because what we do know from some of the social science literature is that especially black women, and I talk about it in the book, our income and our time becomes the extended family income Mm -hmm. and time. Mm -hmm. So if I'm paying for my niece or my nephew's tuition, I want some kind of tax write-off on that some kind of way. And so we really need to think about the way in which we structure taxes and how singles are completely, totally disadvantaged. Well, I am so glad that you have joined us today. You have given us a lot to chew on. We need knife and fork and meat tenderizer for this, Dr. Marsh. Dr. Chris Marsh, Associate Professor and Director of Graduate Studies at the University of Maryland. If y'all don't do nothing else, go and pick up her book, The Love Jones Corhart. Dr. Marsh, thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to be with you. 
That girl is crazy in a good way. To check out previous episodes, log on to her website, SheLettaMakesMeLaugh.com. You can also check out where she's appearing next and score cool merch. It's not just another day in your life. Things are changing for the better. At Comcast, we see those changes and we're thinking about how we use technology today to live, work, learn, and play. And we're building for the future now, so we're better prepared for the wants and needs of tomorrow. That's why Comcast is rolling out multi-gig internet speeds to more than 50 million homes and businesses before the end of 2025, making our already industry-leading network even faster, smarter, greener, and more reliable. Over the decades, Comcast has been your partner, working hard to serve your community, and will continue to be your partner. We're expanding our gigabits so you can enjoy the tiny bits that matter most. This winter, the COVID-19 virus is still circulating in our community. And the best way to protect yourself and your family is still with the latest vaccine. They're safe and effective. Vaccinations are recommended for all Minnesotans six months of age and older, but there are still many reasons why the updated vaccine will protect you. Did you know that people who have been vaccinated and come down with COVID-19 are less likely to get very sick or need to be hospitalized? People who have been vaccinated are at significantly lower risk to come down with the ongoing health effects associated with long COVID. And chances of dying from COVID-19 are greatly reduced in people who have been vaccinated, even if you have never been vaccinated. Maybe you are ready to do it in the new year. It's never too late to protect yourself from COVID-19. Talk to your trusted healthcare provider about getting vaccinated or search vaccines.gov to find a convenient location near you. That's vaccines.gov. Unleash the power of smile for your team. Delta Dental of Minnesota offers coverage to fit your unique small business, leading to a better benefit package and a happier team. Visit deltadentalmn.org forward slash small business. You know Shaletta makes you laugh, but did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business? Media personality, activist, and comedian Shaletta Brundage founded Shaletta Makes Me Laugh to celebrate and share the best of black culture. It's a podcasting platform. You can download 10 weekly podcasts hosted by African-American subject experts at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com is also a production house creating broadcast quality commercial content. And Shaletta and her team of storytellers create powerful promotional campaigns to get businesses the brand awareness they're looking for. Some of Minnesota's top businesses trust Shaletta, and you can too. Get out the word about your events and products and get in front of communities of color with ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. She's got the power to help your business. You started your business with an idea and a plan for the future. A plan that got you off to a great start. But now you see new opportunities as well as new challenges. Work with a banker who understands your business goals and knows how to help you reach them. Work with Bremer Bank because understanding is everything. Put us to work for you today at bremer.com. Are you a woman known as a good listener? 
Do you have skills in de-escalating situations? Are you what they call a people person? Then the Minneapolis Police Department would like to meet you. Now in a rebuilding phase, the Minneapolis Police Department is recruiting more women to wear the badge. The department offers career options for women with a high school diploma or GED. There are also opportunities for women with two and four year degrees who are ready to apply their skills in new ways. Police work makes a great second career for social workers, teachers, nurses. Women in their 30s and 40s are welcome to apply. There's no age cap. You'll be paid while you train and mentored by veteran women officers invested in your success. Minneapolis also welcomes current police officers to join the state's largest department. Make a difference on the streets, working in your community, in a career with competitive salaries and generous benefits. Go to MinneapolisMN.gov and search police jobs to find out more.